ESPN Radio. Westbrook called the game between the Lakers and the Pelicans a must win. Remember that? Yes. Good times. They must have forgotten <laughs> to actually do the winning part. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN App Savage. Series XM Channel 80 and on ESPN Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I am Amber Wilson. He's Freddie Coleman. You can tweet to us at Coleman ESPN at Amber W790. You can also join the conversation on the Canty call in line 1888 say ESPN. That is 888-729-3776. So the Los Angeles Lakers fell to the New Orleans Pelicans 116 to 108. A brutal loss. A terrible implications in terms of the postseason. And LeBron got injured. He called his ankle afterwards horrible when he was asked how it felt. He did manage to play 42 minutes. He finished the game after that ankle injury. He put up 39 points, nine boards, and five assists. He was still doing LeBron things, but it didn't matter. The Lakers are 5-15 and 15 in their last 20 games, sliding in the postseason standings, and in real danger now, Freddie, of not even making the playoffs. Here was LeBron James after the Pelicans' loss. It feels like, I mean, excuse my language, but that's what it feels like. You know, I came in with the mindset, understanding it was a playoff type, uh, it was going to be playoff type atmosphere, playoff implications and things of that nature. So, you know, um, you know, I knew that from the jump. Um, we also got a lot of guys on our ball club that haven't played in playoff games as well. That plays a lot of big minutes for us. You know, you have Malik and, you know, Winion, Austin, um, Stan, you know, who, um, you know, Taylor is pretty much not, you know, not accustomed to it as well. So, um, you know, we try to bottle that in and try to help the young guys understand how, you know, the magnitude of it. And um, they got guys who've been in the postseason. Um, but, um, you know, it feels like a wasted opportunity, um, obviously, uh, for myself and for our team. And we weren't able to get it done. Well, how'd you like to play, Mrs. Lincoln? Right. Goodness. I, I mean, and, and he sounds so defeated there for for a guy who said what just two weeks ago that he was having the time of his life and they were a losing team then when he said mm-hmm. that now we're looking at a situation where the Lakers might not make the postseason. I joked earlier about, hey, that ankle injury. It's terrible. It's horrible. Listen, that man did turn his ankle and I'm sure it does not feel good. He did play the rest of the game. But I do wonder if you're LeBron, maybe this is an opportunity Take it a little easy to hear down the stretch because the postseason ain't so, all it's cracked up to be when so, you don't have Anthony Davis so out there. You're encouraging tanking. By LeBron I'm not James. encouraging tanking. They're not. They're not tanking. <laughs> they they can't all of a sudden get the first pick in the draft. I'm I mean, not they're not the that bad. No, I'm talking. About, I'm not talking Lakers. I'm talking. You're encouraging LeBron James. I'm just to tank. saying. Like you know, you're 37. Tank. You've got the boo boo ankle. You know, you milk it a little bit. You put wow. your foot up on a couple pillows. Drink some wine. Drink some wine. Have a cigar. LeBron keeps talking about how much he enjoys doing just sure, that. Yeah. 
You yeah. just take it a little easy, and then maybe, Freddie, you take the summer off. Because honestly, uh-huh. what's the point? Well, here's something, as far as I'm concerned. You look at their schedule. At Dallas, at Utah. Dallas right now, they're playing for a number three seed. Mm-hmm. The, the vault above Golden State. Then at Utah, home versus New Orleans, home versus Denver, at Phoenix, at Golden State, home versus Oklahoma City, and then at Denver. Based on that and the latest returns of the Lakers, that's not looking good for them making the playoffs. The bigger question is what in the offseason? Because if you think that as a Lakers organization, two things are not going to happen. Number one, finals kind of piece you're going to need. And number two, LeBron James being part of a rebuild. He's not going to do that at his point. As effective as of a player that he still is in terms of numbers, Amber, that impact is lessened and lessened as he gets older and older and older. And if you don't have Anthony Davis for at least, what, 65 games, if you're lucky, you're going to have to move on from Russell Westbrook. And that's not just because of a contract, man. You can't keep him. Who are you going to get when you don't have any kind of flexibility when it comes to salary cap or players? Guys that you may want may not be interested in leaving their teams or be a part of a trade package to join with a team that has an aging team and an aging roster and it's not getting younger day by day, minute by minute. The problem is that you have nothing to trade other than maybe LeBron James. Now, Anthony Davis obviously is an asset, and that's where they have to start these conversations because I agree with you. They have to make some drastic changes in the offseason. The problem with Anthony Davis, as good as he is, he's not available. Mm -hmm. And if you're not available, you Mm -hmm. can't be very good. And that's the problem with Anthony Davis's durability. Everybody else sees it. You can't have Anthony Davis as your number two because you can't rely on him as your number two. Not because he's not good enough to be. He's certainly good enough to be. But you can't rely on him to be out there and be healthy. And every team in the league sees that, what it's doing here. Now, could you bring him in as a as another piece to a team, as a three, somebody you don't have to rely on quite as much? Sure, but then what are you getting back in return for him? Russell Westbrook's contract's too ugly to get anything back in return for him, and then obviously he's fallen off in terms of his play because his game has aged poorly. LeBron's really the only one that you would get a whole lot back for, and maybe it's something that if LeBron wants it, because we know this is going to come down to what LeBron wants when you're Mm -hmm. talking about the greatest player of our generation to do it. If LeBron wants it, if he wants a different setting, then maybe it's something the Lakers should consider because they would get something back for LeBron. Otherwise, he leaves them after 23 as an unrestricted free agent. It's funny you mentioned that. Amber Wilson, Freddie coming together on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus because that's the biggest answer to the offseason question. What does LeBron want? Mm-hmm. And the Lakers are going to have to acquiesce to that. They can try to do it by bringing in pieces. I hate to say it, but guys are not going to leave their teams or want to leave their teams to be part of a trade pack to play with LeBron James. Five years ago, yes. Now, in 2022, they're not going to do that. So whatever he may decide that, look, I don't want to be a part of a rebuilding program no matter what you guys are thinking of doing. Rob Pelinka can only do so much being strapped financially and from a player standpoint, from an organizational standpoint. But if you're LeBron James, if you're going to dictate where you're going to go, then what's the next, where's the next logical place? Because it has to be somewhere that he can be a championship on a championship contending team. LeBron's not going to go from one potential rebuild of the Lakers to a team that might do something in the playoffs. He wants to go somewhere because he's an opportunist. Mm-hmm. We've seen this with LeBron before. When opportunity knocked to go to Miami, he did it. When opportunity knocked to go back to Cleveland, he did it. When opportunity had a chance for him to go to Los Angeles, he did it. He's always going to make sure he's getting the best possible chance to win championships. That's a part of his legacy. If that team isn't out there, then it's going to get real crucial for LeBron and the Lakers, depending on what can actually happen and what they can possibly do. 
based on where he decides or what he decides he wants to do. The only thing about, though, him going to the Lakers is that opportunity extended beyond the court. And Absolutely. so I do wonder I how that. much this factors in. He went to Miami because of basketball. He went back to Cleveland because of basketball and the whole narrative around the championship. But he went to Los Angeles in large part because of entertainment because of production company and everything else that he's trying to do in terms of growing his brands and because apparently that's where his family wanted to live. Mm-hmm. So has all of that changed or do you need to still be out there? And it's all the whole reason I think that he signed a longer, longer contract because he put himself in this position and it's weird that he did. Frankly, you're talking about a player that always signed the one and ones. Yes. And then all of a sudden he goes to LA and he signs the long-term deal now and why? And, and so it's put him in this difficult situation where he's not as in control of his own destiny as he normally has maintained to be throughout his career. And so I wonder if part of it was, hey, I'm here either way, because it's not all about what happens on the court for me with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. This is where I want to live. This is where I want to be. I'm going Hollywood. I'm going to have a long career after the NBA. This is bigger than basketball. And if that's the case, then he's not leaving. Right. Then it makes sense, especially when he said, "I'm, I'm having the time of my life. That involves beyond basketball. He knows yeah, that this is a lost jam, season. That's everything else. Right. Although he should never make Space Jam again. <laughs> just, just leave that alone from that standpoint. You want to do the shop and have production companies? <laughs> I'm in on that one. That whole Space Jam part three, let's leave that alone, LeBron. Or go to acting classes, whatever you got to do. But if he's having the time of his life outside of basketball, I can rock with that. I think anybody could rock with that. But we all know that LeBron James is going to be judged what he does in the basketball court. And if he only, and I hate to use the word only, with one championship because it's hard to win playoff series, much less win a championship. But if he does not get another championship, you know those little anti-LeBron stance are going to be out there. Oh, couldn't get more than one, huh? You went out to L.A., Anthony Davis couldn't help you, Russell Westbrook, you're supposed to be the great LeBron James. I know how that narrative is going to sound to somebody that is very thin-skinned when it comes to people speaking about his legacy. I'm talking about on the basketball court, not outside the basketball court. He is that. I do find it funny, though, that we say we can all understand if LeBron is having the time of his life because of everything off the court as well. If Russell Westbrook said that same thing, oh my God. we'd be having a field day with him. And that's something I could see coming out of Russell Westbrook's mouth. I'm having the time of my life, even though my team Fashion is, line's is out of terrible. control in a good way. Right. It's funny, though, how the narrative is a little different there. Uh, surrounding LeBron. Now, in fairness, LeBron has done everything this season to try Mm. to help the Lakers win. That man can't possibly be doing more at 37 years old than LeBron is currently doing. All I'm saying, LeBron, put the ankle up. You know, give it a little (laughs) extra rest because, buddy, season ain't happening for you. There ain't no point, buddy. Coming up, is there added pressure on Duke now that they are playing UNC in the Final Four? That's next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. The madness continues. Westwood One, NCAA Radio Network. The Coach K Farewell Tour has one more stop. For a record 13th time under Mike Krzyzewski, the Blue Devils are going to the Final Four. This is ESPN Radio. It doesn't get any more exciting than Saturday at 8.49 p.m. when UNC tips off with the Duke Blue Devils in the Final Four for the first time ever in NCAA program history. Talk, Amber. This is ESPN Radio. (laughs) Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman hanging out with you. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. So we get the Blue Blood matchup. 
the interstate rivalry matchup that we all wanted. These schools, of course, separated by just eight miles. Couldn't be any more bitter of a rivalry than this one between these two schools. And, of course, now it comes. It would be like it would be this great no matter when it came, Freddie. But now it comes with Coach K's last dance on top of it. The stakes have never been higher, I don't think, frankly, for a Final Four game. I truly believe. In terms of attention, I'm with you on that one. In terms of attention, maybe what George Mason, maybe if you had a Cinderella dancing in the final four, but it's not this. I I just can't. I mean, this whole final four with four blue bloods, but I mean, we're not even talking about Kansas and Villanova. I, I, I think that this game, frankly, is going to overshadow even the national championship, no matter who makes it there. It's amazing how we talk about Villanova as a, boo, as a blue blood. They're more like a Johnny-come-lately. Right. Because they had the one championship in the 80s where mm-hmm. they had that Cinderella run, beating Georgetown. Then they were barely fair to Midland until that Jay Wright guy got there. Right. And leaving Hodgson got to Villanova. Now they get more consideration along the same line with Kansas, Duke, and North Carolina three of the most winningest programs in history of college basketball, and it shows what Jay Wright's been able to do with that program. But everything's second nature to what's going to happen between Duke and North Carolina, especially because of one guy, and that is Mike Krzyzewski, who's been he's been the Nick Saban of college basketball. Seriously, he has been. Absolutely. No, nothing against anybody else, but that guy's been the face of college basketball. When you hear Coach Krzyzewski, you automatically think college basketball. Just think right now Nick Saban. You automatically think college football when it comes to that standpoint. But I can't even imagine – if Jay Wright and Villanova win with Coach K on the way out, how much does Jay Wright become the face of college basketball? I think it's I think it's a fair point. I think he definitely could be. I mean, I think, listen, I think that there's several people in that conversation in terms of the next face of college basketball. I do think fun, it's funny, too, that people need some sort of next face of college basketball. Some of it's going to come down to, I think, what you've done during your time and then also yes. just tenure. It can't be somebody who's new to this conversation, no, right? Absolutely. So it no. has to be like a Jay Wright. He's been doing it long enough now at Villanova for sure. Bill Self. I mean, since we're talking about national yeah. championship guy, no doubt. Absolutely. Um, you know, 17 seasons, uh, Calipari. Uh, listen, I know that I know what happened in this year's tournament. So it's a strange year to have this conversation with Calipari, but he's definitely up there in that conversation as most recognizable faces. I think of college basketball, if you right. were talking to just a college basketball, casual fan, Tom Izzo, I think is part of that conversation as well. Mark Few, you'd probably have to throw Gonzaga into the conversation, although they have failed to get it done. I'm glad you mentioned Mark Few. I don't know if we can consider Izzo, who's a friend of mine, as a face. I think he's too old now when it comes okay. to Tom Izzo. See, I'm just thinking recognizability. I agree that's with you fair. when you're yeah, talking recognizability. future. Then that's I fine. Just, yeah. You know, because I'm a casual college basketball fan. Mm-hmm. I'm not somebody that's who fine. follows it particularly closely outside of March Madness. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just thinking who's really recognizable to you across college basketball. Yes. Izzo certainly, yeah. certainly one of those people that resonates. But yeah. you're right. Probably too far into the tenure to be yeah. considered the next phase yeah. of anything. Yeah, I'm glad, Amber, you mentioned Mark Few because he's recognizable but people always hold the fact that they've not been able to get it done winning a national championship. And the the obvious narrative is that being in the West Coast Conference holds them back. It does not prepare them for the NCAA tournament. But here's something else. There are a lot of teams in power conferences. Well, how many times do we hear, well, we're in the toughest conference in the country, Mm -hmm. and that steals us for the NCAA. (laughs) What happened to the Big Ten this year? Right. The Big Ten has not won a national championship since Tom Izzo and the Flintstones did it back in the year 2000. So that narrative can't be used, in my opinion, 
against Mark Few, that his conference, the West Coast Conference, does not prepare him probably for the NCAA tournament because the Big Ten's preparing teams probably losing the first round every year. When it comes to that conference. It's your darned if you do, your darned if you don't. Exactly. If you're in the toughest conference, oh, it's too tough. Right. If, you're, if you're in the weakest conference, conference it's, oh, too it's too easy. Too easy. You so, haven't been battle tested right. by the time you get to the tournament. Right. Never mind it's all that, just narrative. Yeah, right. Never mind the fact that Mark Few schedules tough teams before they get in the West Coast Conference. He can't help the way he plays. And we had this discussion last week on Freddie Fitzsimmons. They said, why can't he move to the Pac-12? I said, well, unless Gonzaga is a football team, that ain't happening. They're not bringing him there to a, just to be a basketball-only member. But he would be more recognizable in terms of thinking about a face of college basketball. And it shows how, how hard it is to win a national championship or even get to the Final Four and win. Everybody thought that the last two years was going to be Gonzaga's best chance to win a national championship, and it hasn't happened. And that recedes him further and further that you know about his name, but not enough to say, yeah, college basketball, and I think college basketball, I think of Mark Few and Gonzaga. I do think you have to have a national title to be part of this conversation. But there's, there's not, no doubt. But there's not a guy I just mentioned who has more than two. It's not like we're talking <laughs> like there's no Coach K out there to That's take true. over college basketball as it currently stands, yeah. right? So but I think if Jay Wright wins in Villanova, he becomes that new next face, in my opinion. And that's fair. And they're always in the mix and the amount of winning that he's done in the amount of time that he's done it. And then also, like you said, getting Villanova into the conversation where we're saying, hey, they're they're a blue blood now. That wasn't a given with Villanova. You're absolutely. right. They weren't one of those traditional blue bloods. And yet they're absolutely part of that conversation because of what Jay Wright has done for that program. I just still wonder if you go outside of college basketball diehards and you ask them who Jay Wright is, do they know? Because I think they know who John Calipari is. I don't think they know who that, Jay Wright is that's necessarily. Fair. Yeah, that's right. But I also think there's Kentucky's more of a brand. Well, and that's John why. Calipari. And, Which, that, yeah. and Duke is that brand. Absolutely. So I wonder if you need that brand behind you to really be the face of college basketball. I well, guess shows, well, Amber, it shows what Coach K has been able to do, that he's been able to override the Duke, van, Duke, Duke brand, excuse me, because you, they're synonymous now. He's like Dean Smith when he was in North Carolina, John Wooden at UCLA, where his name is as strong as that brand compared to John Calipari at Kentucky. You still think of Kentucky basketball, that's more of a brand than his name. But now you think of Duke basketball, you think of Coach K. From this point on, if Jay, who knows if Jay Wright has another run like That's Coach K, true. all of a sudden you think of him the same way. I think if he wins, he could be that guy. Say, okay, maybe start thinking about him more as the face of college basketball because what Villanova's been able to do, their third Elite Eight, now third Final Four in the last six years. Jay Wright's been at Villanova since 2001 as the head coach, right? It's pretty remarkable when you think of how long Coach K yeah. has been doing this 42 years and here you and I are already ready to move on we're already having the conversation about who's next he's still well, he, got a ways he, to go here Freddie well, well, coach K's moving on why can't we well but he hasn't yet and he's <laughs> hoping not to on Saturday night when UNC of course takes on the Blue Devils as I mentioned 8 49 p.m tip off there's a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference in the NBA also hoping to move on throughout their postseason we'll decide who are contenders and who's the pretenders next that's that's next this is ESPN radio Freddie Coleman and Amber Wilson. ESPN Radio. Making Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. The Seas are now sitting atop the East, tied with the Miami Heat. Two franchises going to very different directions here as we head down the stretch into the postseason 
But the East is a hard one to figure out. This is ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman. You can tweet to us at Coleman ESPN, at Amber W790. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So we are going to try to figure out who are the contenders and who are the pretenders in the Eastern Conference as we head into these playoffs in just a matter of weeks. And for that, we bring in our producer, Shannon Penn. Oh, beautiful, beautiful NBA on ESPN music. Love it. Me too. You're trying to take somebody's job on the NBA countdown, aren't you? All right, Amber. (laughs) Amber, we will start with you with this question. I'm going to give you a team. You got to tell me whether or not they're contender or pretender. So let's start right there at the top of the Eastern Conference, Boston Celtics. Amber, are the Celtics a contender or a pretender? The Celtics are definitely a contender at this point. And in fact, I don't think it's that surprising because when you have Jason Tatum and you have Marcus Smart out there and you have Jalen Brown, you should be a contender. They have had some really disappointing seasons the last couple of years. They had a coaching change because of it. And now they're 24 and four in their past 28 games. They're outscoring other teams by roughly 16 points. Mm. They've got the talent to do it. And right now they've got the momentum to do it. They're not my pick in the East, right. but they're a contender. They're absolutely in the conversation. I just want, I'm with you in terms of the Celtics being a contender, but Robert Williams being now with that meniscus tear in his knee. We that don't know what the timetable he is so good defensively because that allows them to guard people so hard on the outside, knowing they got a human eraser on the inside, and he can really guard on the ball when it comes to centers and run the floor extremely well. But they seem to have the they seem to have the mental capacity that this is not going to break them no matter what he brings to the table. I'm with you. They're a contender, but that's going to hurt not having him in the middle of that lineup. All right. I know where Amber Wilson's going to go with this. So, Freddie, I will start with you on this question. The Miami Heat, Freddie, are the Heat a contender or a pretender? They're not a pretender. I know they've lost four in a row. I get it. Although, things people thought they were going to have a bounce up mm-hmm. after that whole blow between Butler and Spolster. It hasn't exactly happened. But any team coached by Eric Spolster, I always consider him a contender. I don't think he gets enough credit for what a terrific coach he has been in the NBA and continues to be. They're going to figure out whatever ails them. It happens in the NBA. You have those stretch where you lose five out of six or you lose four in a row. They're not going to have this bad stress going into the playoffs. So that's a team you don't want to deal with. The Miami Heat, to me, are definitely a contender. I'm going to be livid if the last 10 games cost Spo the coach of the year because he deserves coach of the year this season. Absolutely. He deserves that recognition. Like you said, that he certainly has not gotten when he has deserved that recognition in the past. This is a team that has been sitting atop of the East basically the entire season long. It is ugly right now. (laughs) As you mentioned, losing the last four and losing the last four to teams like the Warriors without any of the recognizable names out there. The 76ers who looked more like the 74ers that night because they didn't have (laughs) Embiid and Harden out there. It has been very ugly. Uh, The the scuffle between Jimmy Butler and Spo, that portion of it does not concern me at all, but it does concern me just the trajectory of things here down the stretch. All of that being said, contenders, Shannon. (laughs) All right, I like that. Okay, this may seem like a strange question to ask whether the ninth seed in a conference is a contender or a pretender, but Amber, I'll ask you anyway. The Brooklyn Nets, are they a contender or a pretender? Well, they, they, the Brooklyn Nets are looking like pretenders. Oh. I'm still going to say they're contenders, yeah, though, Freddie, because, uh, I, I listen, I, it's very confusing coming off of that Hornets loss last night. It's very confusing that they lost to the Grizzlies before that. It's very confusing that they're losing to teams 
that we expect them not only to dominate, but that each and every one of these wins means so much here down the stretch because of where they're sitting, like Shannon just mentioned, at ninth in the conference. However, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, most notably, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant. That's why they're contenders. I'm never going to take a squad and put them in a pretender category with Kevin Durant on the roster, period. Point blank. What she said, especially when they only got three teams left with winning records the rest of their schedule. So if you're going to have a chance to get right, you got Detroit, you got Houston, you got the Knicks, you got Indiana. You should be able to beat those teams. As a matter of fact, you're a talent. You should be able to beat Milwaukee. You should be able to beat Atlanta. You should be able to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. No excuses, Brooklyn Nets, because nobody cares. Three games over 500. I get all the back and forth, not having Kyrie Irving on the floor. But now it's winning time, as Magic Johnson said, by the great show on HBO. I, I, I wholeheartedly tell you you should watch that. It, not, it has to be winning time. And if you're Kyrie Irving, you got to be the perfect Robin to the Batman, not the other way around in Brooklyn. Shannon? All right, let's move on. Freddie, I'll start with you on this one. We're okay. doing Contender Pretender in the Eastern Conference here on ESPN Radio with Freddie Coleman and Amber Wilson. Solid reset, You like Shannon. that, right? Doing good. my job for me. First, Love it. First, you're trying to take the NBA countdown job. Now he's trying to be a part of this show. Attaboy. <laughs> let, me, let me go ahead and put that in the show recap email right now. <laughs> All right, Freddie Coleman, Chicago Bulls. Are the Bulls contenders or pretenders in the East? What you got? They're pretenders. And I love what Billy Donovan has been able to do with this basketball team. And I know they have not had the right kind of health with this basketball team, but you can't be one for the season against the top six teams in either the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference. That is alarming when it comes to Chicago Bulls team. I know they can beat the dregs of the NBA, but in the NBA playoffs, you're not playing any kind of dregs. And think about this. This could be a potential first-round matchup for the Chicago Bulls because right now in the Eastern Conference, they have the fifth seed. They would play the Philadelphia 76ers or the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round as a fifth seed. Do you like their chances? I don't like their chances at all. I think this team would be done in the first round. I think the Chicago Bulls are a pretender. Great team, young team, fun team. Billy D, I'm a Gator through and through. Always going to love that man. However, absolute pretender here in terms of an actual championship. They have struggled defensively. They rank 24th in efficiency this month. But also, and notably, they've disappeared on offense completely. They yeah. rank 27th now in efficiency on that side of the ball. It had, you know, they had been fifth on that side of the ball entering this month, entering the month of March in the entire NBA. They have been absolutely trending the wrong direction here. It's just too soon for this team. They've accomplished a lot this season, not to take anything away from what they've done here in the regular season. They're not going to make it. They're not going to make it happen in the postseason. All right, last team here. I want you to answer in 30 seconds or less. It may seem strange, but I'll ask anyway, especially with James Harden struggling of late. Amber, are the Philadelphia 76ers contenders or pretenders? James Harden, Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid, a little Tyrese Maxey on the side. <laughs> contenders. Ready? I'm going to say pretender. What? I do not trust James Harden in the playoffs. I don't trust him and I'm not Hell going to no. trust him until he actually shows that he can deliver with Joel Embiid. The 76ers team is not going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're not going to get the NBA Finals. They are pretenders in my opinion in the Eastern Conference. Tyrese Maxey though. You, how many times you tell me playoff basketball is different? It's one thing to be Tyrese Maxey in the regular season. Now the team's going to be gunning for him and he has to deal with that. We'll see a lot about Tyrese Maxey when he becomes the object of everybody's 
desire to slow him down and shut him down in the playoffs. Well, we will certainly see how it all plays out here <laughs> down the stretch. Uh, the East is definitely an interesting conversation that I'm not sure anybody has figured out. I mean, we didn't even mention the Milwaukee Bucks, right? We didn't even it's mention the defending champs. I think we all think that they're a contender. We didn't even mention the Toronto Raptors. We didn't mm. even mention the Cleveland Cavaliers. Pretender. So there's a lot more to that conversation than we even got to. I'll have to agree with you there. Coming up next, which teams will join South Carolina and Stanford in the Final Four? That's next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. So we have a segment to do here. We have no idea what we're about to do it on, me and Freddie <laughs> Coleman, because our producer, Shannon Penn, has just teased us by saying, yes. don't you worry, I've got a question for you. Just bring us in. So that's exactly what I'm doing. Take it away, Shannon Penn. All right, so there's this thermos that's been in the studio for God knows how long because oh there's, like, there's actually dust and everything on it. Okay. And I'm shaking it. There's actually liquid oh, in no. here. It's been oh, sitting no, no, for... No. So my question to you. There's no question here. Yeah, I'm going to ask anyway. Go ahead. Should, should yeah. I open this thing up? No, you should not. You <laughs> have you a open family. That up? You have a family. You're not a single man that can throw caution to the wind. There are other What's people. First of all, there's other people in that control yeah. Yeah, room with Jay you. Boogie so you're not only just risking you your life. Look at Tara, Tara, one of our other producers just walked by shaking her head. Exactly. She can contest. This thing has been sitting here collecting dust for years. That's my, that, years. That, that, that's my producer, Freddie Fitzsimmons. You cannot kill Sister so, Slayer. I mean, you that, can't do that. That could be coffee with milk and cream in it. Yuck and poo, literally. I, I, there's nothing. Don't even open mold, it. Even mold would have tons of water. Shannon, you got you a, may you no you may you may Shannon, die. You, you got a family that, to think there's of. There's spores that are just gonna go in the yeah, air. You got Yeah, we already went through a pandemic. Why create another one here at ESPN Radio? I'm just saying. Had this segment been on Plus, I may or may not have opened it, but I you can't. But I'll I'll listen. To, I'll take you guys' advice right now. You need to take our advice. You you don't have enough sense to do it yourself. And I asked Josiah. Advice? I asked Josiah, and he wasn't sure. Like I asked well, Josiah. Like Josiah, you know should I open it? You know why? Because Jay Boogie is a single man he doesn't have to worry about family you do you got a wife and two kids to worry about i and recently found in my in my garbage i found that my husband had thrown away a yeti like a small little right. yeti and yetis are obviously incredibly expensive uh -huh. and i made the mistake of going into the yard garbage thinking that my three-year-old must have accidentally thrown it in there or something because who's throwing away a yeti and then i opened it <laughs> and then i quickly discovered why it was in the garbage because it there? was clearly something that he had forgotten oh, about. No. Well, he has a tendency to make like pre-workouts and stuff and then leave them and then I, I all I know is that I may not be well because of what I witnessed. <laughs> and I don't want the same thing to happen to everybody in the control room right now. I care about y'all. Yeah. Shannon Penn absolutely should not yeah. open that up. And exactly. that's a nice thermos too. It is. Like, I, who just leaves that there and you doesn't come back for it? I that mean, is an expensive thermos, but that thing needs to go in the garbage. You may pose this on social media, post a video Shannon, asking the folks. Shannon, if it lies, it dies. But make sure if it lies that you don't die. You, Jay Boogie, Tara, Ryan. I mean, there's something living in that at this point. There, oh, there's no, you open that. that. That may be the worst I Dream a Genie episode ever. It might be an entire ecosystem in that thermos, <laughs> Seriously. frankly. So absolutely keep ecosystem. that closed. Yeah, here at ESPN Radio. <laughs> no sure. ecosystems, thanks. Thanks. ESPN Radio. Not Chris and Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
Savage, Freddie. Savage. Although, it's funny because they didn't get upset about the joke nope. about their marriage. Nope. They got upset about until, the other joke. Until Jada frowned. Was and made. Will said, I'll save you, sweetheart. This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman, we've been hanging out with you. We've also had a lot of help hanging out with you. Adam yep. Gold from the Adam Gold Show on 99.9 The Fan. He joined us earlier to talk about UNC and Duke. Chris Mannix, he joined us as well, Sports Illustrated's senior writer. We talked about all things Celtics and NBA with him. And Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, NFL Live, the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny Podcast. Uh, if ESPN gives her any more stuff, we're not going to have enough room or to say to all of her, her titles. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure she wouldn't mind that portion of it. Mina Kimes, she's everywhere on the network. Of course, she talked NFL with us as we have the NFL owners meetings. Right now, though, it is time to go three and out. Three and out is brought to you by Fidelity Investments. Let's do it. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. So a very cool moment last mm-hmm. night, Freddie Coleman, where at the Oscars, I'm not talking about what happened with no. Chris who, Rock who, who? and Will Smith. Who? I'm talking about the stuff that actually won last night at the Oscars, <laughs> yes. which nobody's talking about because right. Will Smith decided to go slap uh, Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. But things actually won. People won awards. And two of those people are two uh, people that we're very familiar with in the sports community in Shaquille O'Neal and Steph Curry. Yep. They won Oscars as producers for the Queen of Basketball a short-form documentary following in the footsteps of Kobe Bryant in this regard, going, of course, beyond just their basketball careers, beyond their broadcasting careers in the case of Shaq, going out here and just taking on Hollywood. If you get a chance, watch that documentary because it's somebody you should know about that was, her name was Lucy Harris. They called her Lucy, played at Delta State, two-time All-American. She passed away earlier this year, right before that actually happened, them winning the award. And it was, it's going to be rebroadcast on NBA TV tomorrow night at 9 o'clock Eastern time. Do yourself a favor and watch that. Because before there was Cheryl Miller, before there was Rebecca Lobo, before there was even along the lines of Nancy Lieber, Lieberman, there was Lucy Harris. And she is a forgotten person. And in certain people's cases, Amber, an unknown person, I'm telling you, when you watch this documentary, you're going to say to yourself, why did I not know about this story before? It is a fantastic short-form documentary. And kudos to everybody, including Shaquille O'Neal and Steph Curry, making sure they put that together so everybody can know about that forgotten story when it comes to Miss Harris. Yeah, an incredible story. You mentioned the three straight national titles for Delta State that she helped them win in the 1970s. She also earned a silver medal for the U.S. Uh, at the Montreal Olympics in 1976. First woman to score a basket in an Olympic competition. Wow, look at that. First so ever. She also, and this is really the focus of the documentary, uh, was selected by the New Orleans Jazz in the seventh round of the 1977 NBA draft right. before, of course, the yep. WNBA existed. Yep. But she was pregnant. Yep. And she so She's the only woman to ever be drafted by an NBA team. She never only went one. through trying to actually make the team. Yep. Because she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just an unbelievable story. A trailblazer 
for the game of women's basketball and Tremendous. just a very cool moment for Shaq and Steph Curry and for them to have been able to bring this to the masses because, yep. of course, Amen. their attachment to this project absolutely helps us all learn about this project and, and helps all of this. And what an incredible story that should be shared with the world. So big shout out to them. Shaq said that he wasn't even familiar with her story before this project was brought to him. So it was a learning process for everybody uh, and a story that the world needed to hear. Another story maybe the world needs to hear, the Detroit Lions. We're going to hear it, Freddie Coleman, because they're going to be featured. Do we need to? I don't know. We're <laughs> it. Radio segue, you know. They're going to be featured. It's very questionable whether we need to hear it. We are going to hear it, though. They are going to be on hard knocks for this upcoming training camp. Man Campbell should so, be interesting to watch here, so, uh, biting kneecaps. Yeah, so, in other words, the other 31 teams said no. What it comes down to. Probably, yes. And <laughs> listen, there's been a theme with hard knocks. Is the is. good teams say no, mm. and the teams that maybe could use a little extra pub yes. are the ones who say yes. yes. I would say maybe not a bad thing for the Lions. No, I don't, frankly, not. I don't understand. I never really understand why the better teams won't do this. Like, I don't understand why NFL teams, frankly, won't embrace hard knocks more. I have no You know why? Because they don't want people to see that they have personality. I'm a firm like, what have in we? That. I understand there's been stories that have come out of Hard Knocks, but like, where's the team that was on Hard Knocks that we all massively respected, and then all of a sudden we didn't respect them anymore because we saw exactly. them on Hard Knocks? Y- yeah. And you know, you have it. some semblance of control where the cameras are and when they're there. They're not gonna unveil stuff. I mean, it, by the way, it's football. You're not reinventing the wheel here. You're not coming. It's this, all the same stuff. Yeah, Honestly, exactly. It is. You know, you know, three back fly, back on strong safety. They're double not showing eight, us your blitz. playbook, right? Exactly. Either. Let's be honest. And, and we don't need it. We got right. YouTube for that. That's true. We can look at your plays. That's true. I don't. Get I it. do think that this will be fun because at least they do have a personality in Detroit. Yes, does. They have this. The, Aura around the team of toughness, mm-hmm. right? That that coaching staff has instilled. And he's entertaining. There's no doubt he's about that. He's very entertaining. Yes. yes. I have my own thoughts on him from his tenure with the Dolphins, but he's very entertaining. I cannot take that away from him. I don't know how good of a coach he is, mm-hmm. but he's very entertaining. And I do think that this will make some good television. So I'm not mad we'll that it's in Detroit. We'll see. Also, what's going to make good television is the women's NCAA tournament. Connecticut is taking on NC State. That game is tonight, a 7 p.m. tip-off. UConn, the two-seed in that mm-hmm. matchup. Mm-hmm. NC State, a one-seed in that matchup. The women's tournament's gone a little bit more according to plan than, frankly, the men's tournament went up to does. this point, and yeah. it usually does. Uh, also in the Elite Eight tonight, a third-seeded Michigan will take on top-seed Louisville. That game is going to tip off. At 9 p.m., that being the later game, coverage begins on all of this at ESPN at 7 p.m. this evening. Who you got? Well, UConn is supposed to be the road team playing in the Bridgeport region of Connecticut. They ain't losing that game. Although Alyssa Kunane, first-team All-American, North Carolina State, that young lady can play. And Louisville, they're so much fun to watch. They get up and down the court. They pressure everybody. Got a fun coach in the sidelines. Uh, They're going to win that game going away against Michigan. It'll be fun matchups regardless. I watched that UConn-Tennessee game last night. Uh, UConn just looks vicious to me. They're, they're going to be my choice going into these games and probably throughout the tournament. Also my choice, Spain and Fitz. They are coming up next. This has been ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman.